0: Welcome to Radio Tamboa, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. My name is Roger Zatwebembide, the director of the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, a ministry commonly known as ACFA a ministry that helps believers across Africa to defend their Christian faith, to know what they believe, why they believe what they believe, and how best they can communicate it, especially with critics against the Christian faith. We have been discussing the question, can believers be deceived? And today we come to part 7 of this series, which further aims at reminding you that not only can believers be deceived or susceptible to deception, but believers are in danger because deception is already here. The Church of Christ has been infiltrated by men and women who call themselves apostles of Christ, pastors sent by Christ, people under the influence and power of the Holy Spirit, but who distort and deny the teachings of the Christian faith. In the passage we are studying today, which comes from the Gospel of Matthew, we have the opportunity to hear from Jesus himself. Now, you might doubt anyone else, but surely not Jesus. Not only was he one of the greatest prophets that ever lived, a man with ability to foretell and foretell the present and the future, but a man who had God's mind, a man who was God in every sense of the word. And when he says, watch out, when he says, be careful, My friend, you do well to listen. In the text we are reading today, which comes from Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is talking about the signs of the end times. This chapter has been called the Olivet Discourse, simply because it is believed that Jesus delivered this teaching on the Mount of Olives shortly before he was arrested and taken for the trials and eventual crucifixion at Calvary. So, this is one of the last messages Jesus would have given while on earth, one that should be taken carefully and seriously with the gravity it demands, like final words coming from a dying man. Words of wisdom, indeed. In this chapter, we not only find Jesus foretelling the signs of the times of the end. But what comes out and jumps out of the pages of scripture demanding closer scrutiny are the warnings that Jesus gives. The conversation begins with the disciples coming to Jesus after hearing him narrate the signs of the end of the age. And they come to him and they say, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? You may notice that what they are asking for is a glimpse into the future. They are saying, Jesus, would you give us some prophetic signs that will herald these events that you are talking about? Would you give us a prophecy or a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, as we call, this, call it today, about what is yet to come? What we have here is a cry for the prophetic And when I say that, you will agree with me that we are living in desperate times where so many people, especially Christians, young and old, mature in the faith or not, are all crying for one thing, the prophetic. Tell us the future. Tell us what is going to happen tomorrow. Tell me which wife I am going to marry. Tell me whether my boss will promote me. Tell me whether I will ever be pregnant and give birth. Tell me whether I will have twins one day. Tell me the day I will die. And everybody is saying, tell me Tell me, tell me, Thousands of believers flock their churches every Sunday and they have one cry on their hearts. Will my pastor have a word for me? Will my pastor give me a vision for my life, a plan for my life? Will my pastor tell me God's will for my life? They expect their pastor not only to be a teacher of God's word, they expect every pastor to be a prophet. They expect every pastor to know the future, and the most pastors today are living under the pressure to prophesy, because if they don't prophesy, their members will leave them and join a church that gives prophecies. Pastors under that pressure have not only reinvented themselves into self-styled prophets today, but they are prophesying anything you can ever think about, including whether your food will have more salt or not, including whether it will rain or not, including which football team will win the match or not, they are prophesying anything. Anything you can ever imagine, big or small, in the name of trying to capture an audience, a congregation that will keep listening to them as long as they are giving them what their itching ears want to hear. We have a dilemma, brothers and sisters, and we see it reflected in the disciples of Jesus at this time. They are making a similar cry that the church today is making. Can you tell us what the future looks like? And in Jesus, in his response to the cry for this prophetism, to everyone's surprise, he gives a stern warning. You would have thought that Jesus would have said, Oh, you want to know the signs that will herald the events of the end time? Good. Number one, earthquakes. Number two, wars. Number three, uh, murders. Number four, you would think Jesus would have given them a list. And then you would have said, that's it. Now, to everyone's surprise, Yes, Jesus will give them a list, but he will sandwich this list in between warnings that remind them of the danger of being hungry for the prophetic. He says not only is this a dangerous area to venture into, but it is controversial and confusing, and those who do not diligently and deliberately and intentionally exercise discernment are likely to be led into error. Look at verse 4 and 5. Jesus said, he answered them saying, Sit with that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will mislead many or they will lead many astray. Sit with, watch out, be careful. Make sure you know that you are not led astray. For many will come claiming they are the Christ. Of course, claiming they know about the future that these disciples are asking about. Claiming to speak in the name of Christ. They will give them prophecies, revelations, visions, dreams that seemingly look like they are coming from God, but actually are not. As if that is not enough, you jump to verse 11. He says that, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Do you hear that? And many false prophets will arise. One of the characteristics of the end times is not so much that there will be wars and uh, earthquakes and floods and those catastrophes. That is not Jesus' problem, by the way. Jesus' problem is that in the midst of this crisis, there will be opportunistic false prophets who will seek to take advantage of the crisis to mislead the unsuspecting believers. That while believers are confused and worried about what is happening in our world, when they are losing their loved ones through earthquakes and floods and famines and wars, false prophets who claim to be speaking from God will show up. Some of them will even take it a notch higher and claim to be Christ or the reincarnation of Christ. And indeed, we have had a number of preachers and speakers today who have claimed that they are the last revelation or manifestation of Jesus. Who have claimed that they are the last reincarnation of Jesus. They are Jesus who has come back as he promised in the scriptures. And Jesus says, for all those things, see to it that you are not led astray. We live in a country and a world today that is riddled with so many challenges and problems. And in the midst of this economic and political upheaval, it is not unusual that so many people feel desperate, that so many people are longing and looking for hope, that so many people are looking for a word from the prophet who can give them comfort and confidence. And it is in moments like this that believers are easily led astray, which is why Jesus warns them. When the confusion of the last time comes, what you need to be aware of is that not everyone who comes to speak to you from God or about God will actually be true. Most of them will be taking advantage of the crisis at hand. Most of them will be uh, pretending to speak into the challenges of the day, but actually leading you astray. If you look at verses 23 up to 25, Jesus gives several other characteristics of these guys that believers need to beware about lest they be deceived. From verses 23, he says that then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there he is. Do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. And in verse 25, he says, see, I have told you beforehand. Look very closely at verse 25. You notice that it's a very short phrase. The verse is more like um, six words. See, I have told you beforehand. And that is the end of the verse. Don't think that the writer of this gospel was confused or he did not know what he's doing. He's being deliberate and straight to the point. Jesus is giving a command. It's an imperative. It's an order. Jesus is saying, see, I have told you beforehand. If you find yourself deceived or led into error, do not blame anyone, which is why I am warning you even before these things happen. But what is he warning them about? That false Christs and false prophets are coming. Men who either claim to be Christ, or who claim to be speaking in the name of Christ, or who claim to be under the influence of the Spirit of Christ. Men and women who claim to speak on heaven's behalf. Men and women who today's generation calls the prophets of the Most High. Men and women who claim to know things before they happen. Jesus says, watch out for these people because most of them have a goal or an intention of leading you astray. Now, interestingly, he points out a characteristic of these prophets and Christs, not in terms of how they identify themselves per se, but more importantly of the things they do to convince the unsuspecting of their authority and legitimacy. He says, that they will arise and perform great signs and wonders. Oh my goodness. So these prophets and Christ even have a supernatural power to perform things that are beyond the natural. You know, you would think that if someone is false, they would be counterfeiting or falsifying miracles because they would not be having the power. But according to this statement, Jesus seems to be saying they even have the power. That these prophets, in other words, can even perform miracles and wonders. And what that means is that Jesus is ruling out the performance of miracles and wonders as a test case for faithfulness. In other words, he is saying that a man of God is not necessarily known by signs and wonders, since false prophets and Christs also perform them after all. In other words, what he is saying is that because a man of God prays and miracles happen, he prays and you get healed of your sickness. He prays and you get a job. He prays and you get a partner for marriage. Does not necessarily vindicate him and classify him as a man of God. If you may remember very well, back in Matthew chapter 7, he has already warned them. And he has said that you shall know such men by their fruit. Now, what is interesting is that jesus says they are to be known or judged by the fruit they produce and not by the miracles they perform surprise wouldn't you think that jesus should have said you shall know who a man of god is by the many miracles that he performs that if you go to his church You see people getting healed, the lame are walking, the blind are seeing. You should be able to fall down and worship and say, wow, behold the man on whom is the Spirit of God. Now, to our surprise, that is not Jesus' test for a faithful teacher. Jesus' test is not that they will be known by the miracles they do. All the tongues they speak, all the prayers they pray, but by the fruit of that which they claim to be. An orange tree produces oranges. And mango tree produces mangoes. So if someone is claiming to be a prophet, what does he produce? A prophet produces prophecy. And Jesus is saying... That we should not just judge them by their identity or by their actions, but we should judge them by the fruit of their actions. What do they say? When they claim that they are prophets and they are giving prophecies, here are these prophecies in line with what scripture is teaching. Are these prophecies consistent with the teaching of scripture? Are these prophecies consistent with what the Bible has already said? Because God cannot deny himself. If God has said, be holy for I am holy, he's not going to compromise those standards today. And say, well, you know, actually, somehow, I think I understand what you're going through. Mm, Maybe. No, that's not the kind of God we serve. The kind of God we serve is faithful and true to his word. And if a man claims he is speaking for God, he is giving a prophecy from God, that prophecy should be consistent with the nature and the character of God. So what happens to a person who prophesies something that is inconsistent with the scriptures? False prophet. What happens to a person who prophesies and what he has said does not come to pass? False prophet. What happens to a man who says, be holy, come to Jesus, be pure, while he is living by a different standard, while he is immoral, while he lacks integrity? False prophet. Jesus has said that false preachers and prophets can even perform wonders and miracles, but that does not mean they are men of God. Therefore, see to it that you are not led astray or confused by these signs and wonders. Interestingly, Back in Matthew chapter 7, verses 20 to 22, he has given further warnings. He has said that on that day many will come to me. And they will say, Lord, Lord, we performed the miracles in your name. We cast out the demons in your name. But Jesus says that he will say to them that go away from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Now, that verse can be very confusing. What does Jesus mean when he says, I never knew you? How could he say he never knew them when they were performing miracles in his name, casting out demons in his name? Is it possible that a man can perform supernatural signs and wonders, yet not be sent of God? Sadly, Jesus says the answer is yes. That there are men today, there are women today, Who may even be performing miracles, but that power is not from God. And if it is not from God, it certainly comes from Satan. Maybe they are using sorcery or magic. Maybe they are using uh, occultic powers. You remember the magicians in the book of Exodus who came and challenged Moses as he performed miracles in the palace of the pharaoh? And for most of the miracles that Moses did, the magician is miraculously duplicated them and performed them. Now, does that mean these magicians were using the power of God? We all know. No. In fact, they were against God and everything God stands for. So whose power was at work behind the magicians? Satanic power, demonic power. Or Celtic power and jesus in matthew 24 seems to be saying that there are two powers at work and both of these powers can demonstrate themselves in signs and wonders and that is why you cannot test a man of god by the signs and wonders they do why you must look beyond their actions to the fruit why you must look at them not just what they say or what they do now this verse itself communicates serious teachings without even going beyond that. But you know, Jesus doesn't just stop at false teachers and Christs performing great signs and wonders. He takes it even much further and tells us the motive of these false prophets and Christs. What is the motive? He says they will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. What is Jesus talking about? My goodness. In this passage, Jesus is not even, by the way, concerned very much about non-believers. He knows they will easily believe anybody who will perform signs and wonders. But he says that the goal of these false preachers and teachers is, if possible, to lead those who are already chosen and set apart by God for salvation, to lead them astray. In other words, their primary target is believers. Most false teachers who have come in our world today are not looking for which doctors to convert them. They are not looking for people who go to non-Christian religions to convert them. They are not looking for Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and atheists. No. In most cases, they are taking advantage of men and women who are already in church. People who already confess Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord. People who have already trusted in Jesus. Those are the ones they come to. They will take advantage of those who know the Jesus of the Bible and offer them a Jesus that is different from the one revealed in the scriptures. They will come to those who believe in salvation by grace and they will distort salvation by grace into a salvation of works or into a distortion of god's grace itself. they can take advantage of those who have a background in christianity and those are the ones that become the closest culprits or victims of their falsehood jesus says that the goal of their spectacular performances is to lead, if it were even possible, the elect, the chosen ones of God, to lead them astray. And by this very statement, Jesus confirms our question, can believers be deceived? And if we look at Jesus' words carefully, he is saying yes. In fact, believers are the target. In most cases, believers are the victims of false teachers and false prophets. And he takes it even much further that the deception of these guys is so subtle, so deliberately crafted that if it were not for the grace of God, if it were possible, even the believers would be led astray from their sincere faith. That's how serious this threat is. And that's why Jesus warns them in one of the shortest verses in the Bible, verse 25. See, I have told you beforehand. It is so serious. Jesus takes the threat of deception so seriously that he warns his disciples beforehand. He gives them the characteristics of false teachers beforehand. He warns them of what they will do to distort his teaching and his message beforehand. He warns them to be careful of following miracles and wonders that usually these things are even used by the false teachers to deceive this unsuspecting. And he warns them beforehand. He brings to their understanding the danger of many who will come in the name of prophets but actually are not. And he warns them beforehand. Back in Matthew chapter 7 verse 15, he has already warned them saying, Watch out. Watch out for false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves, inwardly are ferocious wolves. And you see, that call to watch out is not a suggestion. It's not an opinion Jesus is giving them. It is a command. It is an imperative. It's like a military order. Watch out. Be diligent. It's a call to careful examination. It is a call to diligence. It is a call to intentional act. Jesus is saying, watch out. And the reason they need to watch out is because these false teachers, as dangerous as they are, they are not easy to detect. They disguise themselves. Outwardly, they look like innocent, gentle, humble, sheep. But inwardly, they are ravenous, greedy, ferocious wolves looking for somebody to differ. And because they are not easy to differentiate between the true prophets and the false ones, that is all the more reason why God's people must develop discernment. All the more reason why believers are called to test before they trust. We find that in 1 Thessalonians 5, 20-21 where Paul talks about false prophets and he says that in testing prophecies, you must hold fast to what is good, abstain from every appearance of evil. Test everything, hold to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Believers must know how to test. Believers must know what they are looking for, what they are testing. They must be able to look beyond the miracles that these prophets perform and test them by their fruits check their teachings, check their lifestyle, check their doctrines, and make sure that they are in consistence with the teachings of Scripture. Because God has already revealed his word and will, his mind is made clear in the Scriptures, and anyone who claims to be a representative of Jesus must be faithful to who Jesus is and what he has already said. That's why Jesus says, See to it that you are not led astray. Watch out! And then he concludes saying, See! I have told you beforehand, three powerful commands against deception, three powerful commands as a call to discernment, three powerful commands that prepare believers to defend their faith. Can believers be deceived? Yes. Is it possible that you already are? Yes. Can you do something about it? Jesus says yes. He says, watch out. He says, be discerning. He says, know the truth of God's word that you may be able to discern so you can defend your faith. May the Lord bless you so much as you listen to these words and take them to heart. May the Lord give you a hunger for the study of his word, that knowing the truth you may not be led astray by the deception of false prophets and Christ, as we find in Matthew chapter 7 and in Matthew chapter 24. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.